This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get busy. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. It's Friday, as we see the familiar names and faces. The Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, Minister at Trinity St. Paul's Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts, and the former NDP MPP for Parkdale High Park. Good afternoon to you, Sherry. Good afternoon, John. It's spring. I predicted it. It's coming true. Okay, uh, that was good. Uh, did you take the over/under as to when it might arrive around March 21st, or do we ignore the snowfall today? <laughs> there you go. Uh, Sherry can't control everything. John Capobianco, senior VP, senior partner, and national practice lead for public affairs in Fleischman Hilliard's Toronto office. How's John? John's great. I extend my elbow to you, John. <laughs> you did. It was a kind of a Gordy Howe thing that you were doing there. Michael Giles, he's a, a government apparatchik for 30 years, chief of staff to deputy mayor Anna Bailau. How's Michael doing? Michael's great. Still cold outside, but great. All right. Well, here's something that you want to uh, maybe speculate on, because I sure as heck was. You know, this individual that was kidnapped, the young 14-year-old boy, yesterday, uh, Wednesday morning. <sighs> Again, this went under the radar uh, because nobody at the school reported his absence, as the protocol calls for, uh, by 11 a.m. And so the parents wondered where he was. He wasn't coming home at 6.05. They alert the police. And then the triggers subsequent to that, about seven hours later, an Amber Alert. Uh, next day, I mean, long story short, uh, there's a torched car or a Jeep up there in Caledon, which was the getaway vehicle, I guess. And uh, nonetheless, it turns out that the boy was found safe in a barn, although he now says he doesn't remember anything about it. Uh, and uh, as a consequence, uh, he was cold. He just woke up in the barn and that was the end of that. Police obviously are drilling down on this. But I'm, I'm kind of curious about the whole scenario with the folks at school who were sent on home assignment for individuals by the Toronto District School Board. And this is conjecture. want to give you that caveat, but somebody wondered, is this a consequence of the current job action? If it is, what discipline would be appropriate if, because some teachers, you know, just decided, hey, you know, we're not really going to step up to the plate and do all these little things, the niggly little things we do on a daily basis. Now, I don't know if they're allowed to do that. It sounds to me like uh, this is a pretty... Uh, primary consideration that they would be, you know, doing in part of their duties. But John Capobianco, on that point, any discipline if uh, you would think that they missed the boat on this? I think there should be. It's a sad story all around. I think there was just a, a, a sort of a calamity of errors that have happened throughout the whole process, not least of which, of course, is the parents didn't get a call early in the morning to say that their child wasn't at school. I have an 18-year-old daughter who attends grade 12 and and you know and I we know obviously when she's not at school uh, I'll get a call her mom will get a call um to say hey by the way you know your daughter's not at school so at least there's a there's an alert mechanism that 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 happens and I think that you know you will rely on that even though you know your daughter's not at school uh, at the, you know most most parents would would know that um so the fact that that didn't happen, there's, you know, the parents thinking that their kids at school, and when in fact, you know, hours have gone by when something could have been could have been said, or, or at least the police could have been alerted to, and this might not have happened. Um, and I've heard the same thing, John, with respect to, you know, with the union strikes and and some of the the work to rule and some of those issues that are happening. Did it have an effect uh, that the teacher was was affected by that? And if there's some punishment. I'm not sure the teacher's at fault here so much as the union might have been at fault and that they would have been following union rules 
um, by virtue of this making the, making the mistake. But something obviously happened wrong, and somebody should be paying for it. Well, Sherry, how do you feel? I mean, if this was a result of job action being taken, that's pretty egregious error, isn't it? Well, I, there's no evidence that it was as a result of job action. And in fact, it speaks to the need for smaller class size, doesn't it? Um, uh, really? I, and, and that's one of the issues that the teachers are, are Teachers can't count are beyond doing 24. Well, but, but first of all, I mean, somebody saw this child get into that Jeep. Um, I mean, that happened. Uh, and so one would think, you know, how, how did that mechanism work? Um, absolutely, but there was a mistake. A but wait a minute. This mistake was, if, if a mistake was made, and we don't know, it could be a computer glitch. But if the mistake was made, absolutely, there should be some disciplinary process. And there is. But, I mean, I think, you know, we're, what we're talking about um, when we're talking about class sizes, when we're talking about other bodies in schools, and we're talking about the kinds of things this government wants to cut, this is exactly where the rubber hits the road. So government cuts would lead to this kid flying under the radar as opposed to human well, as, error or uh, at, something done. It's as, as it's possible a, as the alternative, John. It's as possible a bit of a stretch, though, Sherry. I give, as you a full, possible I, as I, give, I give you a full credit for trying to make those dotted lines into a, stro- a solid line, but it's a bit of a stretch. Well, I, I think if, if, if it was because of that, then we, we need to provide every teacher with an abacus before they start the day. But, but uh, you know, this, this is a serious breach because if you, you know, you take this into, like, obviously this ended, you know, well in the sense that the young man was, young boy was uh, safe. But, you know, if you take, this is seven hours. So, you know, if this was not the case, if you figure that whoever it is that took him was driving at 100 kilometers an hour on the highway, they would be 700 kilometers away. From, from the city of Toronto before anybody even knew that this this kid was missing. So there is serious, uh, this, this, this is a very serious situation. And if it turns out, and uh, if it does turn out that this is as a result, and we don't know this, but if it turns out that this is as a result of, of work to rule, this is not, you know, I'm not going to coach the basketball team and it's, uh, you know, this is not we're going on school trips. This is a in fundamental class. in-class responsibility of the teacher. And um, I guess what would make me question Something else is going on here is the fact that four people uh, have have been, you know, at least uh, been sent home. So why is there four? I mean, was it a chain, uh, the teacher, the office? I mean, obviously, with four people at home, there's something fairly big going on here. Well, the uh, point is that, you know, we've also had people calling into the programs here today uh, where they suggested their own kid was not reported uh, absent and the kid wasn't in school. So I don't know if this is, uh, I don't know, the epidemic word has been bandied about pretty liberally of late, but uh, is this becoming, obviously it's a cause for concern because to the point made, it's one of the principal considerations a teacher has. That's the caregiver in their waking hours away from the parents, and if they can't count beyond 24 or 25 in a class or whatever, uh, that's pretty yeah. serious stuff. Well, but it's but actually, it's the first fundamental thing that a teacher does in the morning is count, count heads and make sure that everybody is there. And if somebody's not there, to alert the head, to the principal's office True. to and, ensure and that's the as first Michael thing. said, four people were sent home. So there was disciplinary action taken in this situation. And, and if you think back to your own school days in high school, because we're talking about a high school student here, um, I, I, you know, uh, kids, you know, are in the hallway. I mean, there's all sorts of things that happen in classrooms, movements between classrooms and things. Don't tell me that none of us were ever absent from class and no, everybody knew where we were. No, I mean, that's they've not They've upgraded the, case. the system. They've upgraded yeah. the system. I think so that's the difference. The difference is when I was in high school, I mean, they were still using, you know, crayons and paper. Nowadays, it's computers and they just, you know, check off the names. And, you know, they, and that, I, I understand that. I'm not 100% sure, but I think the call is automatic. So it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, an overly cumbersome system where you look and say who's not there. And, you know, I, 
outside of this particular situation, which was obviously a very grave situation. So if this is not happening daily, theoretically, you could have a situation where, you know, kids are out of class five days and nobody knows they're not there. Well, that's, that's the challenge. And I think that's what happens. So when you, when you start a system like this fails, what you worry about is how many times has this happened uh, and how many times can it possibly happen? But I do think, though, and again, nothing's been, we, are, we don't know enough information on this, but I do think that it's an easy, it's an easy thing for a parent to be very upset at the uh, at the school for sure, but also at the union for saying, you know, what happened here? But this What's has going nothing on? to do with the union. I mean, if you look south of the border, where you have much more privatization of schools and you have far fewer, you know, eye, eyeballs on students. I mean, you've got much more, you know, much more problems with many more problems with truancy, and you know that's what happens when you starve systems and when you don't have enough people in the classrooms and when you don't, you know, have a, a classroom size that that is can be monitored and where you don't have the kind of guidance counselor staff that can follow up. I mean, we had a death in one of our schools when I was in um, political office and it was because people would phone the house and check on the little girl and their caregivers said she was fine and she wasn't fine, but they didn't have the body to go out and knock on that door the way they did in our day, that truancy officer, as they used to call him. So again, you need people, you need the more, you know, you need people in schools to follow up on children that are absent and we don't have that, and but, that's one of the challenges. But but I do believe, though, Sherry, that, that teachers see the same kids in the same class, usually in the same seat, every morning. So when you look around, it doesn't take off, and it's only 23, 24 kids you're looking, you're dealing with in some cases, some cases a bit more, depending on the class size. But it, it doesn't take a lot to be able to just look around the room and say, oh, I, I'm not noticing somebody here who I've noticed for the last six months who who's in, not in their seat or or in missing head or something. It's just there's a fault here that happened, and, and we've got to get to the bottom of this because obviously something went wrong here. We can't have it happen again. All right. Still with the teachers, uh, they've announced that, uh, well, the union anyway, uh, they say they're going to pause the rotating strike starting next week until the uh, 27th if things aren't resolved. Now, right there in that Sweet spot is the March break. Uh, my, Michael, what are you suggesting? There's something cynical about this pause, or uh, does it just show good faith that they wanted to uh, cool the rhetoric? Uh, how do you perceive this? Well, I think the next announcement is going to be there's going to be no more job action through July and August. So, I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a given. Obviously, that they, you know, why would you why would you strike during the March break? Who would notice? But having said that, I think there's a probably a little bit more play here too. I think the government's announcement of the other day is obviously, I you know. The teachers or the union's narrative has uh, has not been strong. I mean, I you know whether there's details, you know sometimes the devil's in the details in these things. There was a very clear narrative that came out. Parents and I know lots of parents are saying the same thing is well, wait a minute, they've dealt dealt with the classroom size and they've dealt with the e-learning. Maybe that you know, and I know people will argue they haven't, but the appearance is at least that. Why are we still having strikes? And I think that may be part of this as well. You know, they're going to use this next week or two to start retrenching back and try to find a way out of this. You know, as a matter of fact, I was wondering, and I expressed it uh, late last hour, that it looks to me, and I'll use a military term here, but the unions lost the commanding heights of the public argument against the government because, uh, whereas before you might have cited polls, and I think, Sherry, you did, uh, that more parents favored the teacher's position on this fact. Uh, And as you pointed out just now, Michael, and I've heard it myself anecdotally, uh, that more and more parents are wondering, well, what's the fuss about now? Because if this was... Uh, or these were the two principal sticking points, and those have been at least orally resolved. There's been a commitment uh, made by, and I don't think he can go back on this now, Minister Lecce, then that takes that off the table. It positions the teachers' unions as being all about wages and benefits effectively. 
Well, that's exactly right. And I think that there, that, that is exactly, and there's no such thing as coincidence here. I think the fact that they're, they're relieving themselves from any, for, for job action for the next couple of weeks, and, and oh, by the way, the March break is the next couple of weeks is a bit, is a bit uh, fun uh, to analyze. But, um, you know, here's the thing with, with respect to, um, and I've got two colleagues in my office who are not conservative. Uh, they were uh, their parents, and they came to me over the course of the last little while, and this was while the strike was going on, and they basically were siding with the union, saying, you know, the government should be doing something. Just yesterday, they came to me and they said, you know what, John, I got to tell you, uh, why aren't the unions going back, and why aren't they now stopping this job strike? The government's obviously uh, backtracked with respect to the e-learning, and they've made now uh, they've opt- parents could opt out of e-learning. They've they've reduced class sizes yet again to now 23. Uh, so the only thing left is the money. So this is all about money. And I think that's where you're going to see public opinion changing. Uh, and, and and the frustration, I think, after March break is going to be, and I, th- I think Michael's right, though, there's going to be some level of, of agreement or, or at least some more uh, robust talks happening over the next little while to try to get this resolved uh, before the end of the month. Sherry, do you think there's anything to the critique that uh, Lecce announced this publicly, including on this show, uh, rather than, I guess, uh, giving the cues to his negotiators at the bargaining table, have the mediators sit the parties down and uh, make those proposals that way? Of course. This is a public relations campaign. And let's be but very it's winning, clear. winning, isn't it? No, I don't think it is, because let's be very clear. He hasn't given anything up. He's just not, he's taking less, he's not taking as much away. So they're, they're back where they started, not even back where they started negotiation. So, I mean, this is not a gain for the, the educational system. It's not a gain for the parents or the students or the teachers. This is just not as big a loss. So, I mean, that's exactly what's happening in the negotiation. And so now what are we looking at we're still looking at cutbacks we're still looking at you know real problems with uh, with kids with learning disabilities uh kids that are on the spectrum we're we're still looking at core issues that are not resolved and of course it's not just about the money because the, the teachers have already you know used up i mean they've they've paid to be on those strike lines i mean even if they got their two percent they're not going to make up the difference now so i mean it's not about the money for the teachers clearly it's about the students and i would i would disagree i think parents are still you know uh, at, you know the, the this you know the spin will be countered by you know what the uh, the teachers have to say and there's a well, lot the teachers of teachers think. and there's a lot of parents well, and there's, there's a lot, lot of, of kids and and i think by and large they're still well, here's supporting a, here's another, the teachers here's another wild card in the equation you know with this covid19 and the rail blockades and everything and businesses have been impacted and uh, people going to be taking a haircut how do you sell an increase in wages and benefits in the context of a lot of people who are going to be hurt and are facing setbacks? There's not a lot of sympathy out there for that. Well, as I say, that you know, it's it's a wash financially. I mean, the teachers have gone out on strike. They're, they've lost money now already. Well, that's their so, prerogative. So I mean, but but here's the thing. I mean, the, the you know, they coronavirus. The, the virus is a whole other issue. I mean, well, maybe it has we'll an be, economic impact. Know, of course it does. But uh, but and I mean, people feel that in their businesses. The, the real question is, do we want a healthy and vibrant and good public education system, or do we want parents with means taking their children out you and sending what? them to private school? If we can actually slay the deficit dragon, uh, we can afford a lot of other things, too, social programs. So uh, a lot of boats would rise with that tide if they so can get... So we should raise taxes, John. Well, but, the, you... but the challenge here was the unions have made it clear from the very beginning that it wasn't about the money. It was all about the e-learning. It was all about the class sizes. And the government now has has, has gone back on both of those. Called and the I, bluff. And one union, or I believe some sort of student trustee 
union or something basically said that well they haven't really done anything it's only one it's 23 not 22 class sizes like one kid we're talking about here it's just it, people are going to get fed up with this and i think it's they're going to side with the parents thanks for listening to the john oakley show podcast be sure to rate review and subscribe for free at apple podcasts google podcasts and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio 